Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here we go. Hey, I'm Jack Hughes from Wang Chung. Hey everybody, this is Ivan from Men Without Hats. Hello everybody, this is Francis Dunry from It Bites. Hi everyone, this is Andy from Modern Romance. Hi everyone, this is Charlene. Hi. This is Dennis Seaton from Music to You. Hi, I'm Nick Haywood. Hi, this is Kevin from Fiction Factory. And you're listening to the 80s Rewind Show podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. It's time, It's time. to bring you yet another amazing episode. And now, welcome your host. Rob. The Face for Radio Burgess. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, it's the 80s Rewind show with me, Rob, the Face of Radio Burgess. Welcome along, 80s Rewinders. I hope you are extremely well. So I've got to say a massive thank you to everybody that's been tuning into the show, sharing the show and writing reviews. I've got people in Zimbabwe, I've got people in the Ukraine, well, thank you so much, Portugal, uh, the Philippines, Nicaragua, Malaysia, Kazakhstan, Italy, Greece, Cyprus, Cambodia, Brazil, Bangladesh, Singapore, Switzerland, Spain, uh, Puerto Rico, New Zealand, Mexico, India, France, and the list just goes on and on. Thank you so much for your support of the show. It's absolutely amazing. You can also write a review from around the world. It's fantastic. So let's read some reviews out, shall we? Lily Potts says, great podcast. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Lily Potts. Uh, who else we got here? We've got Good Good says, definitely worth a look. Loved it. Thank you so much for that. And Dolorosa, I think, says, love this podcast. So do my family too. So much passion and effort put into every episode. We always look forward to the next one. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I really do put heart and soul into every episode. So thank you so much for noticing that. So like Lily Potts and all the others, if you'd like to leave a review for me on Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. If you're listening on iPhone, just click below it and leave me a review. Uh, if not, you can do it through Samsung, but I'm not sure how. It's technical and I'm too old for that now. <laughs> if you'd like to say hello or want to talk about a subject, you can get me the email address, uh, the 80s Real Wine Show at gmail.com. Yet again, in the show notes below the episode, give it a click and write me an email. Also, don't forget, if you go to www.the80spod.com, that's www.the80spod.com. Yet again, link in the show notes. You go straight to the website and we've got some exclusive tracks just for you on there from some 80s artists. You can't get them anywhere else. They sent them to me. I've put them on the website and you can be the only people in the world that have heard these tracks. Some of them are absolutely fantastic. Get yourself on there and check it out. Now, today's episode, I'm a vinyl collector. I love vinyl. I've got tons of it in my house. In fact, when I used to have a flat, I had so much. When you walked in the living room, the floor used to bend. And I swear one day I was going to come home and find out all my records are going to be in my neighbor's front room below me. Because <laughs> it used to bend. You'd walk in, you'd a floor creaking. And when you looked at it in certain sunlight, you could literally see it was dipping down. Anyway, my local record shop uh, is run by a fantastic guy called Simon Tyler. Uh, and we went and had a chat about vinyl. And is vinyl going to last? Is it getting too expensive? Cassette tapes are now on the rise and a lot of people are sending me cassettes. For instance, Dream Kid, who I interviewed a few episodes ago, um, has just released his album on cassette. And I think it's lovely because you can do them in pink, blue and white and you can customise them and stuff like that. So cassettes are definitely on the up and we discussed that in the interview as well. Sai is a lovely guy. We had a great chat and he really knows his stuff about music. Um, yet again, his shop, Creekside Vinyl, there's a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to order some vinyl for him, some cassettes or you can't find a record, Ask Simon, I'm sure I'll be able to find it for you. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We had a lovely chat. Let's get to it. 
growing up. Was your house very musical? Was your parents into music? It's strangely, um, no. <laughs> well, yes and no. My dad was a guitarist and we had lots of, um, lots. We had a few jazz records. So some Joe Pass and Wes Montgomery. Beatles. I remember the Beatles. I remember growing up to the White Album and Rubber Soul. Although those would be, uh, that would be the American version of Rubber Soul, but I won't get into what the difference is. So we had those albums and a few, but my dad played guitar and I learned to play guitar from him. Um, but no, he, he, we didn't, we didn't have banks and banks of records like we'd, I do now. <laughs> I don't think he had that bug in the same way that I got it. And uh, when did music start sort of coming into your life? When did you sort of first hear a record that changed things for you? So Daydream Believer, I had on a seven inch record, a tiny little toy record player. Um, and I love that record. Um, I still do to this day. I think it's almost a perfect pop song. I think it's brilliant. Um, a few years later, my dad, my stepdad, got a gig playing guitar in hotels in Mexico, and eventually we joined him. And I have really vivid memories of the White Album. That was being played in various people's houses at various times. Um, and I adored back in the USSR. I thought it was just... Just again, I was four years old, so I mean, there, there wasn't any sort of a aesthetic um, critical thought about it. I just loved it. Uh, that bit where the guitar solo comes in, which is effectively a single note underneath uh, one of the verses, just just sent me. Um, so, so yeah, the monkeys and the Beatles, and and that, that that would be my first introduction, really. And did it inspire you to pick up instruments and start playing? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Um, I had a guitar when I was a little bit older. Uh, my dad bought me a guitar and I tried. I tried to play a little bit. He, he struggled to teach me the James Bond theme tune. Dun, 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 dun. It was fairly easy. I got bored very quickly. And then it sat there. It sat in the corner of the room for many years. Uh, and then when I was about 14, uh, I remember my parents were out and I was sitting around and... I just picked it up and started messing about with it. And then a day later, there's a secondhand shop which had a book, How to Play the Guitar in Two Days or whatever, one of these. <laughs> Burt Whedon. Uh, something like that. I don't think it was Burt, but it was definitely <laughs> one of those sort of things. And it had chord, it had the chord boxes. So, oh, okay, if I put my finger there, there and there. Oh, that's a C. Great. And that's a G. And I, and I managed to play a couple of songs. And then uh, back to the Beatles, I bought that Beatles songbook which again has all the chord boxes. And um, by that point, I, I, I knew most of the Beatles stuff anyway. And yeah, I just learned to play the guitar by, by playing Beatles songs in, in, in the Beatles chord book thing, which apparently is legendary for none of the chords being the actual chords they use. But, <laughs> but you could work it out. You could, make, you, could, you could play Beatles songs and that's how I learned to play the guitar. So you play guitar a little bit. Did yep. you go, what did you do after that? Did you go into music fully or did you? Um, I was in a band. I was in a terrible, terrible band, bands really. Um, and, and I don't think we ever performed. Endless rehearsing <laughs> and endless and endless rehearsing in various bands. And I loved it. And all that time, this would be about like 78, 79. So punk had just happened. I'm slightly too young for punk. Although, truth be told, I didn't like the music that much. It was all right, but I, I wasn't overblown away by the music. But post-punk, what comes afterwards, um, when, when you move into more stuff like the undertones or the buzzcocks and stuff, um, or when Clash stopped worrying about uh, an aesthetic sense of values, I really liked it. It was a lot more interesting. And, and then I just started buying lots of records, but also my taste was backwards as well as forwards, which in that time was quite unique. So I, I, I had 
started buying all the Beatles albums back in, in, in the late seventies. And, um, then, uh, David Bowie, Roxy music. So looking, looking backwards as well as forwards, I had quite a, a sort of, a, um, eclectic taste at that point. Um, I wasn't very good in the bands. I mean, it has to be said, um, <laughs> uh, it wasn't something that I did particularly well. Um, so, so we didn't do it particularly long either. Um, <laughs> So, but no, I, I, I mainly, how music then took me over was, was just a love of it, going to gigs, buying records. And no, I, I just, I just felt absolutely emotionally carried by, by music. Um, I mean, first gig I went to was at the Marquee Club when it used to be down Wardour Street, a little band called Any Trouble, who were from Manchester, about 1981, I think, 82, 81. Yeah, I went on my own. Uh, they, they'd been on the cover of the Melody Maker a few weeks before, and then I saw them down there. Um, no one, none of my mates wanted to come with me. Um, I was quite used to traveling around London on my own. I was quite an independent kid. Um, I would have been 16, 17 at that point. Um, and yeah, you go into the marquee club down there, which was such a sweaty, horrible, <laughs> grim place. Um, but lovely. First band I saw was the Stiffs who were supporting any trouble. Um, and they were just, again, just proper pub rock in, in retrospect. It was just proper pub rock. Uh, and then any trouble, which is also just proper pub rock, really. Uh, and I just loved it. Just just being in a room with with people playing music was, was awe inspiring. It just just blew me away. And then then to buy the bits of plastic um, and 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 be able to just sit in your bedroom with a record player and 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 put the various records on. Um, no, wonderful. It, it just always it always just created an. an um, a positive emotional response for me. I just love it as I do today. It's just a wonderful thing. And the thought of opening a record shop at this point didn't exist still. It wasn't a thing. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> oh God. And no, it's a long and torturous journey from then to now. Um, I, 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 I drifted around. I, I did various jobs. I worked in sports shops. Um, I worked at Butlins for a little bit as, a, as an entertainment assistant, working backstage, helping, Helping get the stages ready for people like um, oh Lord Such and awesome. and and um, Butlins back then uh, in the early eighties would would be like the scampy and scampy bucket thing for <laughs> all sorts of seventies sixties performers would come so so the Searchers the Hollies all those obviously without their real members but some of them uh, the Nashville Teens we had the Nashville Teens come and perform at Barry Island. And um, the Nashville teens were, were famous for one song, which is called Tobacco Row. Um, and it's 1983. No one really knows or cares who the Nashville teens are. Um, but they come on and they play and they start with Tobacco Row. Um, and they do about a 15-minute version. And they do that. And it's lovely. And hey, Tobacco Row. Um, and then they do another song. And then they okay, we're going to finish. And we're going to finish. And they start Tobacco Row again. <laughs> And everyone's looking at okay, and they go, hey, off they go, thank you very much. And everyone's, hey, brilliant. And they go off for about 20 seconds and then come back on as if the room is screaming their name. <laughs> There's polite applause. But they come come back on and then, <laughs> back in tobacco row. <laughs> so, so Butlins was great. It was just full of, of, of old bands 
getting paid basically and and actually everyone loved it because ba- there was no other there was no other national teen song to to, <laughs> to listen to other than tobacco row i don't think i mean maybe i'm doing them a disservice maybe there will be nashville teen heads out there who who will tell us that their third album <laughs> was sublime and we should listen to it but i don't know um so yeah um so that um so i worked at butlins I then dabbled with the idea of of being a residential social worker, but I was too young. They wouldn't let me do that. Also, I had no qualifications whatsoever. I left school as soon as the gate was open. I, I wandered around the country. I lived in Cardiff for a while in Birmingham. Whilst in Birmingham, I was doing a very um, menial job at a curtain warehouse place. And the woman who worked there was a little little hobbit called Ruth Milvin. Um, and, and, oh, you make me laugh, Simon. You're really funny, you are. You know, you should do some acting. You should. Um, and, and and I ignored her. Um, and then one day she actually got the local paper and said, look, look, Simon, there's acting classes tonight at this place in Edgbaston. You should go down there. You're good at this. You should do this. And she hassled me all day long. And I said, Ruth, give me the paper. I will go. And I wandered down there. And it was some strange acting classes, although in a very... I found out later in in the Birmingham School of Speech and Drama, which at the time in the 80s, it was one of the four best um, drama schools in the country. So the people knew their stuff. And we we just workshopped and messed about. Uh, And they came and saw me afterwards and and said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I was just coming here. I was told to come here. They said, no, do this properly. You're good at this. And I went, really? They said, yeah. Why why are you living in Birmingham? I said, I don't know. I just, just, just... (laughs) You know, I didn't want to be at home. It was a way out. I said, we must we go back to London and, and, and apply to be in proper drama schools and do that, which I did. So, so um, um, and Ruth was like, I told you, I told you, you were <laughs> um, So, so I, 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 uh, I left Birmingham, applied to be in drama schools, got into drama school and started acting. So that, that so rather than music, it, then sort of acting took over and I, I, I became an actor. Although, not a successful enough actor, obviously. Um, <laughs> we, I, I, I went to drama school and then opened the Fringe Theatre in Kentish Town. We run that for a few years. Eventually, you need to eat more than beans on toast. Um, and, and after three or four years of doing that, uh, for diminishing returns, um, whilst running the theatre, I'd taken a job as a youth worker and then ended up working with people with autism and, and learning disabilities. Actually, I was very good at that. <laughs> uh, and so so whilst the career of acting was sort of plateauing and not really going very far at all, we had a few people coming, but we never got properly reviewed, never got properly noticed. Um, my career in, in the world of care work and social work was building and I kept getting offered new jobs. Um, and eventually you're like, oh, oh, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not an actor anymore. I'm a social worker or a youth worker. Um, so I stopped acting and ended doing that which led me to become chief executive of Kensington and Chelsea Mencap um, eventually. And then Andover and District Mencap, I became chief executive of that. And I had a 25-year career in, in that field. Um, at about five or six years ago, I stopped doing that because it was either stop doing that or throw myself off a bridge. <laughs> oh, honestly, I know that sounds like a joke, but it really wasn't. It was... It was it was horrible. By the end of it, it just became a very aversive place to be and I didn't like it. And I moved to Kent. Um, I met Annabelle, who later becomes my wife, and she's wonderful. 
Um, and we were, I used to shop in a record shop, which was down the creek in Faversham. And uh, we were sitting here uh, where we are now on our couch. And she showed me Facebook, which I didn't have at the time. Uh, and said, oh, look, that record shop you like is for sale. The business is for sale. And I sat there and I hummed and hard to myself as we watched whatever it was on the television, not paying attention, thinking, hmm, I've got a little bit of money in my account. I could, maybe. And, and so I went down and bought the business, basically. Wow. Um, so I went to see uh, the guy who owned it. And I said, I'm not going to barter. I'm not going to play games. I've got this chunk of money. If you're interested in selling it for this chunk of money, say yes. If you're not, say no, and I've gone. Um, and he said yes. So I bought the business. Uh, this would be in April 2018, about five years ago now. I stayed down in Standard Key for about five months, but realized that was the wrong place for the business. Also, at that point, that record shop was secondhand records. And selling secondhand records is a different thing to what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a record shop where the records in it were the records that I curated in there. So so when you're selling secondhand records, you're in the lap of the gods of what you can find and buy. Mm. Um, so I moved the shop into Faversham, into the centre of Faversham after five months and stopped selling secondhand records, moved to new records, where if I want to have a copy of John Coltrane's um, Love Supreme, I order a copy of John Coltrane's Love Supreme. If I want to have The Grateful Dead, I order it. If I want um, a soul record or a punk record, I order it in. Selling secondhand records, especially in this part of the world, I got lots of prog, lots of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, lots of Ken Collier jazz. So sort of that strange, strange sort of 1940s jazz rather than 1950s jazz. Um, although Ken Collier is later than that, but it, it wasn't satisfying. So moving towards new records was great. Um, so now the shop's there. It's a nice friendly shop full of the new releases and all the old records as well. Um, specifically designed, again, unlike how the shop was when I bought it. So many record shops are quite cliquey. They're, they're, they're quite, almost if you're not in the club, you feel slightly alienated come in. And I wanted to do the opposite of that. I wanted a shop that was pleasant and welcoming, whether you buy records every week or whether you've never bought a record before. Um, I wanted it to be a nice place where we play music all the time, uh, a place that's welcoming for women as, as well as men. Some of the record shops aren't. Some record shops, I know, a lot of my customers say, oh, I won't name names, but there's other record shops around and they don't like going into them. They feel unwelcome in that as a woman. And I wanted Freakside Vinyl to be a shop which was absolutely open for everyone. Um, also wasn't elitist in any way. I hate the idea of a guilty pleasure. And if someone comes in and buys the Boney M's greatest hits, that's fantastic. What, what a wonderful thing. You know, um, and I, I'm not never sniffy about what people like. All our lives, all our lives are, are, are too too much sadness, too too difficult. We all have to carry a lot of stuff that goes on in our lives. And music does this wonderful thing. Music brings you a moment of unalloyed joy. It is absolutely when when you connect with a piece of music, it strips away everything else around you at that moment for that moment in time, uh, and it is the most beautiful alchemy that happens emotionally. It can literally just take you there. And I always get angry that that actually, if that happens to be Boney M or if that happens to be something which isn't cool, cultural fascists should not be allowed to make you feel bad about that. And, and, and it does my head in when people go, oh, that's a guilty pleasure. Don't have a guilty pleasure. Have the pleasure. Don't be guilty about it. Who, who, no one has the right to tell you what you like is 
something that you should like or you shouldn't like. And and so so the shop's very much built on that premise that that we we embrace everything. We we want everyone to have a nice time. We want it to be a pleasant experience coming in. Um and and um yeah. So since since April 2018 we opened. We moved into the town in November 2018. And um apart from a plague which happened for two years, it's been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Going back what to what you said, what I love about the shop um mm-hmm. is the fact that you have open days where bands or musicians come down and play yep and going back to what you said about the, that feeling of anyone's welcome mm. um you get that when people just walk past they stand outside they don't have to come in if they don't want to and they can watch the artist outside or through yeah. the window and then the people that do come in are very friendly with each other and you know and stand shoulder to shoulder and sing along yeah. and clap to these eyes and that's a really nice thing and i think that vibe comes across when you see those sort of live shows yeah no very much so those, those are absolutely great the, the in stores um we're not, for the most part, although I think it's changing. Since when I first opened, the record companies would phone up and say, would you like this person to come and do an in-store? My response is always yes. Even if I don't know who they are or what they are, um, yes, of course, uh, is is what we do with a shop. Yes, that would be a brilliant idea. Welcome one, welcome all. Um, and it's fantastic. Uh, the first person we had was a man called Ethan Johns singer-songwriter, You're, you might remember his dad from the Let It Be film. Oh, right. Glyn Johns. No way. Yeah. So, so it's Glyn Johns' son, who's, a, who's also a producer. So he's produced Kings of Leon. Wow. Coldplay. Uh, Paul McCartney on his own. Um, Ethan Johns' list of who he's produced is fantastic. He did the first Kings of Leon album, which is, in my humble mind, the only Kings of Leon album which is worth listening to, but there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, and it was great. They said, would you like Ethan? I said, Ethan Johns, of course. Uh, uh, being a big Beatles fan, I knew who he was and uh, his, his dad had produced the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Um, and I was absolutely nervous. I was bricking it. I was like, oh, no. here we are, this small, tiny little shop in Kent. He came on a Sunday when the Antiques Market was on. And, and I was, oh, Wow. It's going to be embarrassing. It's Ethan Johns. He's, 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 he produced the Kings of Leon. He produced Paul McCartney and Coldplay and all these other people. And um, six people are going to turn up if we're lucky, aren't we? Um, and he walked in and he was the nicest guy. He, and, 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 and I shook hands with him and he was a good hour earlier. It was nice. And, and he said, I'm going to go get a coffee. Can I just leave my guitar and stuff here? And, uh, and I said, yeah. I said, Ethan, look, this is the first time we've done this. Um, I'm nervous. I don't know what response we're going to get. I don't know if people are going to come. Uh, and he went, if it's just you and me, I'll play the guitar for you. You know, uh, and, 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 and so I immediately relaxed. And again, what was lovely is exactly as you described, uh, a few people obviously would advertise it and a few people hadn't heard, had heard of him and, and made the effort to come down. And so a few people were milling about and then people walking past is lovely. I love that. So you've got Ethan Johns, who his own work is um, slightly like Neil Young or Dylan, his own his own work. Right. So he's playing these quite quite intense songs just on a guitar. He just say that was good, and he just got people walking past, and they just look and and they're just drawn into it. And it's honestly, yeah, you, you described it perfectly. It's a wonderful experience. And and again, what happens is you get that that useful chemistry music being played and 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 everyone experiencing the emotion together 
um, and they feel connected. Um, and because it's a small, intimate space, you know, you're four foot away from the man playing the guitar or the woman playing the guitar. And it's great. No, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And I, and I absolutely adore doing those. Yeah, they, they've been great. We've had some interesting people. They've been, I mean, they've, they've been very good, the ones I've been to. I remember there was one and you said, oh, I don't think someone's going to turn up and you was really nervous. And you opened the door and then you couldn't move in the store. Yeah. <laughs> and nowhere would you just appeared. And I think it's lovely communal sort of, atmosphere as well with it like people just roll down and just think oh, I don't know who that is but I've got half an hour why not yeah and I think that's a wonderful thing one of the things I love about the installs and one of the things I say now when when I get asked about it is that actually we have a constituency of people who like the shop mm. and 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 like what you described about the install so sometimes we get people who are well known like um Newton Faulkner came um <laughs> He's more well-known than I realised. but um, um, <laughs> yeah. Or Catherine Williams, again, who has has a certain following and people will come. Other times we have people who um, are less well-known, like Oliver Lang came, who, who was just, his first album had been released, um, and he came. But people will come, if they're free, uh, people will come because we're putting it on. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, well, that'll be a nice half hour. That'll be a nice 45 minutes in the day. There'll be someone who's vaguely interesting or maybe very interesting but I don't know but I'll commit to it and give it a go and also again exactly as you described there will be a place where people who share the same interests the same love and same passion as me are together and 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 there is a real sense of natural community and fellowship people have made friends uh, from coming to those sort of things people who come into the shop and they may see each other occasionally and they've sat in, in, in or stood rather when we've had in stores and then afterwards whilst everyone's hanging around they've just chatted and become friends. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that, that just brings me so much joy. I love that. It's just, just it's just a wonderful thing and, 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 and it really does create a community uh, and, and it makes it, it just just makes it wonderful what I love as well is um, how random it is like so you've got an artist that would normally be on a stage just yep. in a, a shop and then like when we had the lady come past who Pam <laughs> <laughs> Pam I think you should tell the story of Pam with the, with the money because it's a fantastic story <laughs> oh lovely Pam oh. Um, so yes Catherine Williams so Catherine Williams Catherine Williams is actually you know one of two people who's played the shop twice so she um, I met Catherine Williams about 10 years ago on a songwriting workshop I went to Chris Difford from Squeeze's songwriting workshop and, and I met her and I've done a couple of other songwriting workshops with her I met Catherine Williams at a songwriting workshop and we've become friends um, and when I opened the shop I said oh if you're ever if you're ever coming around uh, down to Kent and you've got something to promote, come and do an install. So she, first of all, she came because she'd released her box set of all, she'd been 20 years as a performer and, and releasing albums and had a box set of 20 albums that she released um, or one one little independent records release rather. And then she came again when her new album, most recent album, Night Drives, came out. So Catherine Williams was in the shop and, and Catherine is this lovely, friendly, um, easy person who's had a wonderful career in the world of music, has not been recognised and, 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 and lauded as much as she should be. She's, in my humble opinion, one of the very best British songwriters we've had. I think she's an exceptional songwriter. 
But anyway, there she is. She's come to the shop to promote her album, which is coming out in a few weeks' time, and 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 play a few songs. And it was lovely. So there she is playing. Uh, and the shop's reasonably full. A couple of weeks before, about three or four weeks before that, uh, a woman in her 90s called Pam came into the shop. Uh, and Pam was very, in fact, more than a couple of weeks. About four months before, <laughs> Pam had come to the shop to tell me, uh, and I'm going to impersonate Pam now, and I do it out of love. And it's not, um, uh, young man, young man, have you got that George Ezra album? And I said, uh, the new George Ezra album. It's it's not out for four months. Will you get it for me? Yeah, no, of course, of course, it, it's out in four months. Make sure you get it for me on CD. I want the album. So Pam. Four months before the George Ezra album came out, wanted the album. And and she came in pretty much every week to remind me to order it. And it happened to come out the Friday before Catherine came to the shop. So Catherine came on the Saturday. On that Friday, the George Ezra album came out. So Pam comes to the shop the day the George Ezra album comes out. uh, And she has a £10 note. And she gives me a £10 note. The album's £14 or something like that. Uh, 12 pounds. And I said, Pam, you can have it for 10. That's fine. And she says, no, no, I will come back and give you the extra money. I said, Pam. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You really don't have to. You can have a discount. Have the album for £10. uh, And she takes her CD. Um, However, the next day when Catherine is playing in the shop, Pam comes back and the shop is full of people listening to Catherine who's in the middle of one of her very lovely news. I was there. It was full. <laughs> and 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 from from behind, from the doorway, young man, young man. <laughs> uh, and there's people looking around, shushing back. Shush, shush. I don't think you could shush Pam. Pam's no. not someone to be shushed. <laughs> Bless her. Um, and, and she was determined to give me the two pounds that she owed me. And I was saying, Pam, you really don't owe me any money. Um, I had to take some money just to actually stop her talking. <laughs> Cause that was all. Oh. So yes, so she, 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 um, and, and Catherine was lovely. Catherine, Catherine sort of stopped and, and, and let it go on and dealt with it. And, and, uh, yeah, and Pam. Pam's great. And Pam still comes into the door. A couple of days later, she came back and said, who were all those women in the shop? You had lots of lovely women in the shop. What was that about? And I tried to explain that there was someone singing in the shop. Um, and she said, that's very good. You should have more of that. No, but Pam, Pam is lovely. There's a strange thing. Uh, I, 
that, that George Ezra album I sold to so many octogenarians. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's a clean, fresh-faced blonde boy or whatever, but they all loved him. I, I sold more of that to people in their 80s and 90s than I did to any of the youth. He's got a grandson look, hasn't he? He really yeah. has, yeah. He's no, that, grandson. Absolutely, and they loved him. But no, absolutely. That And, and that was really lovely. Um, and and um, actually, I mean, Catherine, I, I was, at first I was a bit anxious about it, but no, Catherine was lovely and... and and actually, everyone in the shop loved it. But again, it comes back to the spirit of of, yeah. of of what I think the shop does, which is be welcoming for everyone. Mm. Um, and 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 whether that's whether that's the the strange people who have a very specific taste in one thing or another, or or the people who want to buy a Taylor Swift album, it doesn't matter. Um, all of their loves, all of their passions, all of their interests. Uh, must be treated with the same amount of of respect and 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 warmth as as each other, and and I think yes, absolutely. That that, that I think hopefully um, that sort of comes across in the shop, and, and on that day that came across because Pam was lovely, and Pam still comes into the shop and shouts at me. It's a lovely thing. <laughs> what was lovely about that performance was Catherine did really really well, <clears throat> and the whole room was sort of we knew she was there, and everyone was sort of like side eyeing Pam, and it was going really well until she shouted out, "You're a very naughty man." <laughs> <laughs> and that seemed to cut all the way across the <laughs> shop. <laughs> and that's when Catherine had to stop playing. That's the bit that broke her, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's because she wouldn't believe that she'd paid for the CD. She she wanted to give me more money. And I, I was a naughty man because I wouldn't take her money. <laughs> um, but there you go. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a lovely moment. It's great. It, it, but again, I think with so much of the installs, there's always something that happens. There's always some... When when James Walsh from Star Sailor came. So we had James mm. Walsh from Star Sailor come the shop um, and about half hour before he came to the shop there was um, someone who was homeless wandering about the town and he had a he had a guitar um, and and some of the local youth felt aggrieved about something that he had done which I don't think he had done but but there was an altercation and literally outside the shop these youth jumped on him and started attacking him right um, and he was carrying around a sort of old acoustic guitar and and they just sort of started attacking him. So I came running out of the shop and threw them away, dragged him into the shop. His guitar was all busted, um, and he's busted as well. And I said, just sit down, and we threw the youth away. Um, and I said, wait here, we'll phone the police, uh, and which we, we did. Um, the moment he's sitting there, waiting, James Walsh from Star Sailor <laughs> turns up to do an in-store. It was a midweek. It was very strange. I think it was a Thursday or something. Um, mm. Very strange thing. But the record company had organised it for James Walsh to come, so he did that. Um, and actually, that was a very popular in-store. But so, as James Walsh came into the shop, the police had pulled up outside. <laughs> so, I'd, I'd gone out to talk to the police and just say, the, the guy's still sitting in the shop. He's sitting in a stall in the shop. I'd gone out to the police to just explain what had happened and what the guy said. James Walsh and the guy start chatting. <laughs> uh, and, and, and James comes in, again, just carrying a guitar. He, he, I think it was in a, in a carry case, but he just had his guitar. He's getting his guitar. And the bloke says, oh, maybe we can do a duet at some point. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then he did. And, and James was lovely. James could tell this man was someone who possibly had mental health issues or whatever um, and, and may not, being the sort of person who would do a duet with James Walsh from Star Sailor, but James was great. He just 
chatted to him. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely, of course we could. Yeah, no, and and was very positive. Um, and and yeah, it was. It, yeah, it, it's a it's a nice. It, I don't know. It's a nice thing. It's just, you just want to be human with everyone, really, I suppose is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no matter if they're famous or not. Just, doesn't doesn't nice. matter. Absolutely. I mean, vinyl's been on the app. I think it was last year they made 135 million on vinyl alone. Yeah. Outside the CDs. Have you noticed that climb yourself as well? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I mean, most of that's Taylor Swift. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's, um, it is on, 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 on the 2022 thing. Um, a great chunk of that is Taylor Swift. Wow. The 2021 thing, the year before, which was a similar sort of uh, thing, was ABBA and Adele. Right. So, so it's it's not um uh, uh it's it's not across the board. It's it's in chunks. Um, right. Um, and it's lovely that Taylor Swift and Adele are, are pushing vinyl and and actually um reaching out to other things. But yes, absolutely. Um, since since we opened five years ago, I, I've absolutely noticed more people coming, a wider range of people coming in when we first opened, especially because the old shop lent towards this anyway. It was sort of um, old men of a certain style who all love the same sort of thing and, and um, love their old vinyl and, and whatever. Our shop, as we were talking about before, is a lot wider than that, and 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 um, because we really do look to um, cultivate a, a a broader listening buying record buying public music listening public, um, we we really do get a very broad range of people coming in, um, and yeah, no, we have. We, I've I've noticed even though we had the plague for two years, which really made life difficult for everyone. Um, and buying records may not have been top of everyone's lists mm. of things to do quite rightly. It has consistently grown. It's not huge. It's, it's, it's nowhere near like when I was a kid when, when buying a record was the most important part of my week. Mm. Um, but it but it is important to people, yeah, definitely. I think it's crazy to, like, I've always been a collector. I've got vinyl all over the house, mm. um, and it was sort of people used to just chuck boxes my way and go, yeah, hey, I'm getting rid of these, do you want yeah. them? And I've got, lots of albums, which are probably now really expensive and mm. I just chucked my way. And then I was in HMV with my mum and my mum's not been in HMV for probably 30 years um, the other day. And I said, hey, mum, look at this. And we looked down and there was whole rows of vinyl. Mm. And she was like, oh, it's just like the, like the 80s. And I was like, yeah, it is. Like, So she's not seen the jump where no. it was just purely CDs and videos yeah, no, and stuff like that. But she did sort of pick one up and I made a good point. I said, oh, that's nearly 30-odd quid though. Mm. Do you think vinyl eventually will outprice itself? Possibly. Um, I think there's two things to that. Um, because you haven't seen the jump, you haven't seen it grow accumulatively. Mm. Um, so, so you haven't seen the price rise uh, in a curve. You've seen it rise in, in, in a block. For the most part, it's in line with where it should be. Right. So, so had it grow, so like a pint of beer, a, a pint of beer at the same time when you thought vinyl was three pounds, that pint of beer was 40p. It's now five pounds or whatever. So, so actually, if you hadn't bought a beer when it was 40p, or that was the last beer you bought, and then the next one you bought today, yeah. you say, wow, look at that. Look at that. But, but, but because it's rised sort of gently, people aren't that shocked by that, or houses or petrol or whatever. So the fact that it wasn't there for a few years means that the gap seems bigger. So for the most part, around 26 pounds is probably about right. There are definitely some record labels that that at the moment, and they say it's cost of living, they say it's the war in Ukraine uh, and the oil shortage and all sorts of things are 
trying to push that price point a little bit further. And yeah, I think it's dangerous. I, I, I think I, I think 26, 28 pounds works. There are some new releases go way north of that. Um, mm. And and um, if if they if they continue to do that, I think they may have a problem. My instinct is that some of the record companies, and I don't know why, because obviously um, I've seen the data that they produce and, and it is there, but they still think of it as 10 years ago when, when vinyl really started its revival, its new revival, as a hipster thing. Yeah. Uh, again, as a predominantly male hipster thing, uh, collectory sort of vibe. Uh, and, and so they price point at, at that audience. I think it's different. I think that audience is there, but also I think there is, and again, it's nowhere near the levels that it used to be when I was young, but there is an audience of people who just like to buy the records mm. to listen to, to have um, as, as a different as a different platform to listen to the music on as opposed to Spotify, as opposed to a CD or whatever. And actually that, that platform needs to be better catered for in terms of price points. Um, and I don't think it's quite being catered for in the way it needs to be at the moment from the record companies because I think their eye is on those people who will happily spend £150 on a Paul McCartney re-release just because it's got some extra um, postcards or something. Although if you bought them all together separately, it would be sixty pounds shy of that. Yeah. Um. And and but but they know that there are those people out there who will buy anything that comes in a box that says Paul McCartney on it, regardless of that's, price that's point. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I was just thinking about the, uh, the talking about Paul, like the Beatles box. Set, mm. You know, the, you got the one the year before, which had more discs in it. That was cheaper than the new one that got released last Christmas. That yeah. was nearly hundred pound dearer. Yeah. And you think that's crazy no, price jacking, yeah. It is. And and, and there's certain artists that, that, that they do it with. Um, Paul McCartney's one, Paul Weller's another one. Right. Um, Taylor Swift, who I like Taylor Swift. And actually the price point for her most recent album wasn't that wasn't that steep. I think we were selling it at £28 pounds, yeah. um, for a new album. I think it's even a double album. That just about works. However, what they did is do four different versions. Same album. <laughs> Four different covers, right. uh, in four different colours. Little sticker on the top. Collect all four. <laughs> Hang on. Well, suddenly I'm going from spending twenty eight thirty pounds to spending a hundred and twenty pounds. Yeah. Um. And and as much as Taylor Swift is for everyone, there is a huge part of her audience, which is fourteen year old girls, mm. um, who don't have a hundred and twenty pounds floating around, especially not around here in Faversham. I have a friend who works at Rough Trade in Soho and they got parents coming in and buying all four albums for their daughters, which absolutely blew my mind. um, But again, so it's definitely, the record companies definitely know that actually they are pointing their product at a luxury end. Yeah. They're not looking, they don't see it as a mainstream product yet. Um, and so, so I'm not sure how sustainable that is long term. You never know. Hopefully, I read yesterday that HMV has done really well this last year. Mm. Um, hopefully, if HMV can expand um, and build up again, it might become more mainstream. It, it, you do need, and this would seem counterintuitive as an independent, but I think you do need a, a, a chain high store presence yeah. uh, uh, to help drive prices down. Um, so, so my hope is that HMV will be really successful, continue to be successful this year. Because the one in Canterbury's got smaller, which is fine. But, but maybe they should 
go and open one up in Dartford in, in, in Bluewater and have one somewhere else, you know, and a few more yeah. around and um, which hopefully will start to have an impact and make it more of a mainstream thing than a slightly sort of elitist collectory thing. I mean, as well as that, we was talking um, previously about the artwork. Now the artwork's getting mm. crazy where you had, was it Lordy that had sort of an up the skirt yep. shot? And then recently I saw the Lana Del Rey one where she's got yeah. a, a breast out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. that stuff's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but it's always that. If you remember the um, the Blind Faith album with the teenage yeah. girl with the plane. I mean, the um, you know, the or prepubescent girl with a, with a plane or whatever. Um, I think, I think, I, I think there is always artists who are trying to make a statement. Uh, and and maybe 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 it's being old men. You go, <laughs> lovely, well done, good statement. That's lovely. Um, that 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 Lord record's a wonderful record. It's mm. a fantastic pop record. I don't think it needed that cover. Uh, I don't know if she was doing that to shock people mm. um, or to get a few PR points or whatever, just get noticed a little bit more. Um, as, as a record, Solar Power was one of I thought one of the best records that came out last year as a pop record. Self-esteem again, a really, really good pop record. Um, not as gratuitously odd a sleeve as Lord's one, but still slightly a jarring sleeve, a jarring image. Mm. Uh, and obviously, that's what, as an artist, that's what they want to portray. They want to create some sort of friction or some sort of uh, reaction to, to their image. Um, but yes, no, absolutely. I think, I think, I think uh, some of the artists, well, as ever though, but some of the artistic decisions, yeah, often leave me sort of scratching my head. I didn't put the poster for Lord up. Mm. Um, I got sent loads of those posters of, of that picture of, uh, and I, and I, I thought, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me as, as, as an artistic statement. It didn't shock me. It was like, nah, I, I get it again. I've, I'm nearly 60. I've, I've been around the block. I've seen lots of artists make sort of, Statement. I, someone I've chatted to someone about Madonna today, chatting about uh, the erotica uh, album and, and uh, the book Sex, and and that was 1988, 89. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 you just think, well, yeah, we've done that, and mm. okay, well, we can do it again if you need to. That's fine. So I'm not shocked by it. Um, but yeah, I I, I I felt I didn't need I didn't need any puritanical responses from <laughs> putting it in the shop window or whatever. No, that's fair. Um, so, yeah, so yeah, yeah, because some of us are open minded. Some of us would say it's pornography. So yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So so um, yeah. So I, I I just avoided putting it in the window. I gave them away. I, so when people bought the album, I said, "Do you want a couple of posters?" Interestingly, there was um, quite a, a young person who bought it, and I said to the parents. I have a poster for that. Would you like that? And she said, do you know what? Please don't offer us that. And, and yeah. so I said, no, no problem at all. So It, it sounds yeah. like in the old days where they say, oh, we've got the special videos out, out the back. back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> we um, don't have those. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a, a rise in cassette releases as well. Mm. Did that surprise you when it happened or was you just waiting for that to happen? I, I sort of, and with the retro thing, mm. again, if you, if you think of, if you think of the vinyl revival, as a hipster retro thing, then I thought cassettes was inevitable. I think I think selling cassettes in, in a retro, in a second-hand way, in the way that there's a second-hand market for vinyl, selling 30-year-old cassettes strikes me as odd, just because I don't think the mechanics work. So they, um, <laughs> uh, they, 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 
again, the plastic reels are in a plastic rock box. Uh, and and I, the tension was really important. And I, I can't imagine the same level of tension is there 30 years on. So I'm not sure that they work as a secondhand thing. It was fascinating that um, a couple of years ago, Bjork, with her album, brought out a whole lot of cassettes. Uh, Billie Eilish, with mm. her second album, had it released on cassettes. OMD, uh, with the Punishment of Luxury, which is their most recent album. It's about three years ago now, four maybe. They brought it out on cassettes. So some artists are, are pushing it on cassettes. There was an Italian band called Matinee, who again, just before COVID, literally just before, I think on the 31st of March, 2020, they were due to perform in the shop. Uh, lovely Italian pop band. Actually, you would have loved them, Rob. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, in fact, I will dig out one of the cassettes. Um, oh, thanks. They're because they sent me some stuff. They're 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 proper proper eighties influenced band. The out, I, I'll definitely dig you out the stuff. Actually, you would you would eat them up. Thanks. Um, but they produced some stuff out on cassette as well. Um, and there's a local record label that has brought me some cassettes. So they're there. You're starting to see some of the hardware come back. Mm. And not just in the retro thing, because you can get, again, cheap-looking re- cassette recorders, and, and you just think, that's going to eat the cassette. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's one of those things where a little bit more money will save you a lot of money in the end. Yeah. <laughs> a, a cheap yeah. cassette player is, is as, as, as many of us found out when we bought cheap Walkmans in the day, a cheap cassette player really doesn't last very long, mm. um, or doesn't mean your cassettes don't last very long. But yeah, no, I was... I, I was I wasn't surprised. Um, I, I still, I still think that just yeah, the hardware needs to change, and there needs to as, as these days it's quite easy to pick up a turntable or a record player whenever you want. Um, uh, uh, a cassette player seems a lot harder to get these days. Yeah, I know the Yellow Sportsman. You remember those the Sony ones? They're changing hands mm. for silly money on eBay. Yeah, absolutely. But those ones, the Sony ones, are always really good. Yeah. Um, you go further down the line. Un, uh, underneath the Sanyo ones and, and then the Tandy ones and then and Woolworths even did a, a terrible sort of Walkman-like thing which which would just you put it in uh, and, and it's fine if you're still but then you weren't because it's a Walkman and you jiggle <laughs> about and and <laughs> right. I mean I've heard underneath that mini, uh, mini discs will be the next one Wow, mini discs, yeah. Oh, yeah mini discs, are, so it's basically circular. Yeah, jumping, yeah. Jumping the CD, though, because CD sales are down. Yeah. So it goes vinyl, tape, mini disc. I've heard it's- I, 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 think, I think CDs will revive. One, because there's more CD players out there. Um, I recently bought, sitting there behind you, my Denon um, CD player, which works really fine, and uh, it's a very nice uh, piece of kit. I I I I I wouldn't write CDs off just yet. I think mini disc is hard because I try and find a Sony mini disc player. I must be. I mean, you're definitely looking. They're not making them anymore. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you are on the second hand market. I liked the mini disc. I thought they were great little things. I had quite a few of them, although they never took off, did they? As no. as, as a pre record, um, they were great as 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 a, as a sort of modern cassette in a way. That's weren't right. They? Yeah. Um, where you could make things, but but they didn't. They made a few sort of um, pre-recorded stuff with, and released them, but they never seemed to sort of hit the imagination in the same way that the CDs did. That's right, yeah. I think it's because they were, with a CD, it was more hand-held tangible. You had a yeah. case and a cover and a Absolutely. disc. Absolutely. Whereas with the mini disc, it was just like a little tiny flat 
shape with a sticker on the front. Absolutely, yeah. No, so, no. And I think it goes back to vinyl again, why people like it, because you can take it out and yeah. it smells and, it, and it's crackly and it makes a noise. No, absolutely. And, and tape was the same. I recently bought, I was telling you before we started, I bought some tapes on eBay that don't work, but it was lovely when I was playing them to hear that it started to make a weird warping noise. And I thought, I've probably not heard that sound in 30 years. <laughs> but the minute I heard it, I felt... I really loved it. It was, yeah. like it was ruining the tape. Sure. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. I my my favorite ones were um down Camden Market. So you'd go down Camden Market and if you go see a gig, uh, and then a couple of weeks later you go down Camden Market and there'd be two or three blokes around Camden Market with old TDK C nineties or whatever with the gig. And and, <laughs> and and you could buy bootleg tapes of of gigs all over so gigs you've missed or whatever but but it was really and I had loads of those uh, but because they were TDK things they, they yeah. lasted for a bit but not too long actually that's well. what you um, I didn't think of that until we just discussed that the trading community you didn't get that with you don't get that with um, like streaming and things where you like you say you go down the market or your mate will be like yeah oh so I sort of got a bootleg of this yeah no yeah. absolutely no you don't I mean I, I, as we were talking before we started about I've, I've got no problem with streaming I don't mind it I like it. it it's nice to have access to everything that you might want to listen to I, it doesn't stop me wanting to own certain things and buy certain things uh, and I don't think I'm alone in that um, I think it's good to have a best again it's just one of many different mediums that you can access music in Yeah, uh, and that's okay um, but yes there is there, there, what you don't get so instantly or or so meaningfully i guess is is the sharing of it although you do get sharing people will will take out their phone and say have you heard this or whatever yeah but it seems to mean less as hey come come back to mind listen listen to this new seven inch single i've got and you put it on uh and then you hear the jams are going underground and go wow that's amazing <laughs> you know uh and and um and there's something I, th- I think what happens is when you put a record or a cassette on, as opposed to streaming, you've made a contract with it. Mm. Uh, you've, you've actually made a contract with the artist and, and the, uh, to engage with it in a way. With streaming, even if you like it, it's very easy, I find, to drift away from it. Mm. You know, um, I very rarely, when I'm at home, I don't stream music. I, 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 I millions of CDs, millions of albums. Uh, and if I need to listen to something, which I often do, I will pull something out and listen to it. Very rarely use streaming as a, as a medium to sit down and listen to it. It's normally just check out for me, but that's just me, I guess. Um, but you do share it. You share but it, it. Yeah, I think in a less meaningful way, really. So it's been wonderful talking to you today. If people want to find out about the shop, where's the best place to find out? Oh, uh, if you live in Faversham, walk down Market Street, pop in and say hello. And if, um, and if you live in China, how would you find the shop? Yeah, uh, well, if you live in China, um, you would get on your yeah, social medias, Robert, your lovely social medias. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. I am dabbling with Mastodon. Yep. Yeah, I'm dabbling with that. I have a page, although I haven't really posted on there. We have dabbled in TikTok, but it didn't really work. But the big three, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the Creekside Vinyl is there. The big yellow logo is us. I really like social media for the shop. It's really good. I get to post lots of interesting pictures of the shop, lots of the albums that come out. I get a really nice interaction from people, some people who never come to the shop, who who live miles and miles away and just like the interaction. Other people who do live local and and use it to see what we're talking about and what's going on. Um, I try not to 
either on, on social media or when someone comes into the shop to hard sell anything. It really is just about experiencing it. That's true. Uh, and just yeah. having a nice time. Um, so, yeah, no, just 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 look us up. We're, we're around. There is a website. The website is not really um, particularly functional these days. I don't think many people use... More people will use social media than the website. But if websites. they did, what's the web address if they were? It is www.creeksidevinyl.co.uk. Um, but yes, um, they're back when we first had the website five years ago, we did various blogs and posts and stuff, but I just don't think it gets the traffic now to warrant that amount of time, um, I'm afraid. Um, and can they buy records through the website if they wanted to? Not through the website because we don't, we don't, I don't compete with online in terms of selling stuff. Because if you're going to buy a record online, Amazon will beat me for logistics. It will beat me for price mostly. Not always, but mostly. Um, so I don't even bother to compete with that. It, we're, we're a bricks and mortar shop that people come into. However, that being said, if you phoned us up and you were living in China or, 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 or Stockholm and said, you have a copy of this? And I said, yes, um, I would happily arrange putting it in the post and sending it to wherever. And we have done that very recently. In fact, the last thing we did last, just before Christmas, was send a copy of Paul McCartney's Women and Wives 12-inch single to Spain. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so there you go. So some happy person in Spain got a copy of that. So yeah, that, that I mean, just email me or phone me for, for those things. And, and I'm more than happy to do that. There's a guy who lives up in Scotland um, who occasionally... he a record came out and he couldn't get it in Scotland. I can't remember what it was. I think it might've been Paul Weller. The Paul Weller single came out and he was desperate to get it. Um, and he'd obviously been ringing around, looking around loads of places. And I posted on social media, we had it. Yeah. I sent it to him. Also famously, let's do some name dropping at near the end. Pete Perfides. Oh yeah. And Pete Perfides from Soho Radio and, and wrote the book Broken Geek. Mm. I'd posted a while ago, just after lockdown or whatever, Harry Styles' second album, Fine Line. Um, it came out originally, then there was a dearth of copies, and then I managed to get a hold of five copies of it, and I posted on my social media, oh, five copies of uh, Fine Line, Harry Styles' new album's come in, uh, and Pete Perfides emailed me. I said, nice. uh, can you send me one to his house in Muswell Hill, or just, <laughs> just at the bottom of Muswell Hill? Caitlin Moran's his wife, so I now know where Caitlin Moran lives, but... <laughs> I'm not that person who's going to go and use that information or sell that information to anyone who wants it. Um, <laughs> that, I wouldn't do that. But yes, so no, I can send them to people. That's fantastic. Thanks for talking to me today. It's and been a I'll pleasure, put, Rob. I'll put all your contact details in the show notes. If anyone wants to check it out, they can just go below this episode and your phone number will be there, your email will be there and your shop link will be there. Um, thanks so much. It's been wonderful, Simon. Thank you. Absolute pleasure, Rob. Thank you very much as always. Lovely to see you. The show is produced, edited, and presented by Robbie. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.